This is the Talk Editions Podcast, episode 32 with Chris Williams. I'm Madison Greenstone, clarinetist of talk. And I'm Marina Kipperstein, violinist of talk. Because it's not a matter of my liberation, for example. It's also a matter of yours. Today we're speaking with Chris Williams, who is one of the performers on our Swoon Fest lineup coming up in May. But you in this context, you the white liberal in this context, suffer from your color, exactly as I suffer from my color in, in, in another and more brutal context. And once you got to face that. If one can face it, one can deal with it, and, and then it doesn't matter. But I don't think it serves any purpose. Because it's not a matter of my liberation. Chris Williams is an interdisciplinary artist and educator based between NYC and LA, and most at home collaborating with contemporary improvisers and experimentalists. He has toured extensively throughout the US and Europe. His work explores the dyad of ancestral trauma and power existing in all black Americans. Williams has received grants and been in residence with Banff Center for the Arts, Foundation for Contemporary Arts, Culture Hub, Atlantic Center for the Arts, Wasteland, and others. His collaborators include Avon Kong, Joanna Matry, Miriam Parker, Patrick Shiroishi, Benny Maupin, Nicole Mitchell, Faye Victor, Wendy Eisenberg, Luke Stewart, Amanda Beach, Marjani Forte-Sanders, and Eric Rivas. Thanks for being here, Chris. Hey, guys. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Super happy to have you. It's I didn't know pleasure. it was talk. I think I think I had gone back and forth between. You didn't. Talk oh, between talk. talk and talk. Yeah. Yes. You know, so do we. Yes. So do we. <laughs> There's no correct pronunciation. Yeah. I like that. It was like we were. I was saying about my name, like Chris Williams or Chris Ryan Williams, like. I yeah, really. we had a whole discussion before we, like we started rolling tape here about whether I should introduce Chris as Chris Williams or Chris Ryan Williams, because there are apparently like an Many. abundance of Chris Williams Plenty. in the world, <laughs> <laughs> including <laughs> another trumpeter from L.A. Yes. So um, I guess the the first thing that maybe we want to get started with, uh, because, you know, Right now, we're super hyped for the for Swoon Fest, which is our uh, our festival that we're putting on to celebrate Talk's tenth anniversary. And we invited, yes. Just a note to say that Swoon Fest will take place at the Clemente in Manhattan this coming May fifth and sixth. We invited um, a bunch of really awesome artists to share the stage, and you are one of them. Um, and uh, we're really excited to have you. And I was wondering maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about kind of what you have planned for that set, what we should expect, kind of what your process has been like leading up to this. Yeah, I'm, uh, first of all, congrats on 10 years. Amazing. Like, kudos, big. Um, I, and, and thank you so much for inviting me. I feel like, like my process right now is kind of ever changing. I I feel very much at a at a transitional point in where I'm at musically and as a, as an artist and just with my life. I recently got married and just uh, a a lot of you know 
different things happening in my life. And um, as I'm kind of working towards having like a solo practice, um, I'm, I'm constantly interested in, in what does it really mean for me to have a solo practice rather than just, I'm going to play solo, you know, like why, like really approaching, like, why am I doing this? Is it, is it for me? Is it for the audience? Do I want to convey something specific? And I've just been doing a lot of kind of bouncing around with different, um, different modes, like modes that are very acoustic modes that are, uh, purely electronic kind of everything in between. Um, I think for this one, I'm going to be actually bringing in, bringing in a friend of mine who I've been wanting to work with for a long time. Um, she's not going to be present in the space, but, but we're going to do some interviews. Um, and she just speaks so well and I always learn so much from her. Um, she's, she's a, a, a black queer woman that has, uh, moved to the to the caribbean she's moved to puerto rico and we connected because i've been spending a lot of time in puerto rico my my new wife is puerto rican and um and yeah i just i really um i learned so much when i speak with her she (laughs) she's really uh been talking to me a lot about just like what it means to to be free, to free your mind, to free yourself from the shackles of, um, the United States, which is ever expanding. Mm. Um, so, and I don't, you know, I do a lot of like, like you said, in my illustrious bio, I do a lot of touring and I end up in, in Europe a lot. And I, I find myself wondering like, Oh wow, this is different, but it's not, you know, it's still very Western. It's still something that I'm like familiar with and modes of thinking. And I'm really curious about how do I bring this kind of like transformative process that I'm going through in my mind into a sonic space. So I think my first step is literally just going to bring her into the space. I'm going mm-hmm. to ask, I'm going to record her. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make some things and and I'm going to try to maybe recreate a bit of our conversation. What, what's her name? Her name is Elise Peebles. Okay. Um, cool. And she's amazing. Uh, and luckily for us, she's going to be moving to Boston to do a PhD soon. Okay. So she'll be, she'll be coming to New York more often. Um, something that you were just kind of talking about and that I like really love and admire about your work is this sort of ethos of like bringing together people and, you know, like not using your space, but like letting your space be something that's like porous to like all the histories that come together to like bring someone to that moment. And I think that's like like very tangible and the sort of like installation and the video work and then also like the use of like interview recordings and field recordings and historical recordings so i just was wondering if you could talk a bit more about that and like yeah yeah absolutely i you know i think there's 
there's such a history of that already. Um, but right now it's, it's, it actually feels, um, like, like I'm at a time where I, I see a lot of my contemporaries doing it and it feels really nice to, to be a part of like a community that is exploring what it means to kind of create these, um, I don't know, somewhere in between like, uh, I think sometimes people call them operas or sometimes they're, uh, podcasts with music or sometimes they're just, uh, an album and they had some recordings on them and, and it, it's all interesting, but I think they, they kind of exist in the same space and, and this, this space where you're, you know, recognizing the power of the human voice. It's, it's really, um, something that, that I think is just, it, it connects to people. It, it hits whether or not it's, they're actually saying words either, you know, just using the voice is really powerful. Um, and, it, and I think it really makes people resonate on a different level with what they're hearing. So, um, especially as instrumentalists, you know, I don't, I don't often speak or sing in my own compositions, but I think some of this process is me getting the the courage to to actually start speaking as well in, in my my uh, my work. But I mean, people like uh, Yvette Janine Jackson, yeah, who, huge huge fan. She's already doing so much of what I basically am <laughs> trying to do. Um, my good friend that that you mentioned, Patrick Shiroishi, he's he makes amazing work with field recordings and um, yeah, you know, Luke Stewart also does a lot of that with uh, irreversible entanglements. Um, Kamei, uh, better known as More Mother, uh, just so insightful, so um, direct. I think there's something really. Uh, really attractive in the directness for me. I think I can be a pretty uh, uh, esoteric person by design. Um, and and getting, get, like just grounding myself in like, hey, these people are speaking. These people are, are communicating something. And maybe the things that I, I'm placing around them and put, like creating the space with can continue to be uh, ethereal or esoteric in these different worlds, but I'm going to ground it and like make sure that things are being communicated. And um, yeah, I, I, I think art in general can sometimes uh, avoid that. And for, for many reasons and many great reasons, it's open to leave things to interpretation, but, but oftentimes, you know, I want to be heard. I want, and I want people, I also want my, my people to be heard. The people that I know, the people that are, are special to me. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I, I think something that I really appreciate about your music that, you know, that you're talking about now really is like this, this way that you manage to stay true to a kind of like musical aesthetic that is not necessarily like overt in like the the musical language in terms of what it's like 
what its meaning is. It's not like a programmatic or like kind of representative in a kind of like, um, you know, Shostakovich knocking on the door, you get bump, 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 you know, like that kind of like, but it's like the, you manage to like ground it as you're saying by actually using this kind of collage of, you know, like there, there's not any kind of um, masking of what the what what you want people to be thinking about it's like taking this very concrete um this very concrete element which is you know somebody talking about something or like a visual imagery you know and then pairing that with the musical landscape or environment which is kind of like coloring the emotional landscape or coloring the um, that kind of like unnameable experiential um, aspect of of listening. Um, yeah, I think you do that so well um, in a way that, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, you, you named all these other artists who are kind of like working in similar, in similar kind of relationships of those kinds of elements. But um, yeah, that, that's something that I really admire about your music. Yeah, I... Um, I think it's funny when you said concrete, I, I, I immediately thought of when I was going to, uh, Cal arts for grad school, I met, I met this, uh, this great artist that actually lives here now. Her name's Kayla Weisdorf and she was, and I, I don't know if I interpreted this correctly or, or whatever, but what I got out of it was great. Um, and I still think about it to this day, but it was, she, she had this, um, this installation that was all these bricks and uh she she started this like instagram page where she was kind of dressing up these bricks and like holding them like they were babies and mm-hmm. like they were yeah. they were they were like very personal things they had they had a um, personality they had you know a life and and i think about that sometimes when i'm making things like like especially just you know <laughs> I can I can float in space for forever. I just I love I love like conversation and curiosity, but I recognize that when I want to communicate something, I need to start with like something. I know you can't see this on the podcast, but something <laughs> solid, <laughs> something really fist. solid. Chris is making my a fist. fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna I want to um, I want to make sure that that my intention is clear. Um, and and concrete and then kind of go outwards from there so that that anytime anything else is is coming in it's or any other influences are coming in they're just they're they're interfacing with with this thing that's concrete already there's this the whole kind of like play of words like music concrete starting with the concrete the brick you know then like yeah. Thinking about music concrete's like early roots with like Halim El Dab and like Pierre Schaefer and El Dab like use not using it, but like yeah, using it as a way to like capture ritual of like summoning spirits and summoning ancestors. Mm-hmm. There's like mm-hmm. really this like mm-hmm. direct <laughs> kind of parallelism. You know, that's that's so that's so amazing that you bring him up because I I only recently was became became aware of his work through um through Zekerea uh, uh, El Magarbel and um 
and was just floored and honestly not surprised you know it 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 made sense what what he was doing and um and i think that through through this path that i'm on i continually like i'm i'm less and less surprised when i find these people that have been working in these realms for so long and um like you said summoning spirits being you know making sure that uh they are using the their surroundings and the people around them to connect backwards, connect forwards um, in time, and 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 spread, you know, spread their their message. And uh, yeah, I think of <laughs> I think of this quote from Lester Bowie all the time. Like he's just, you know, the musician's message or the musician's. Uh, job is to be the messenger mm. you suppose that's and i think i think he was kind of more directly talking about touring you know you're supposed to bring the good word to the people to the masses but i think i think it it works in many uh many ways and i and i really think about that when i when i use the human voice a lot what's that message yeah yeah and like something that strikes me so much like when using the human voice or using recordings, like especially I experienced this with like more mother's work. Um, there's just like such an intense intentionality, like everything like has like everything has a meaning and has a meaning in relation to all the other things that are like chosen for that place. So like there's also like kind of an enormous amount of care that has to that one has to summon in order to like like incorporate someone's voice or incorporate like their sound or um some sort of like icon of who they are and that also like breeds a kind of trust between like the person and then the per like yeah the the person who's being quoted or referenced and then also the person who's like incorporating that mm -hmm. to forge another connection absolutely I, I I wrestled with that a lot, um, kind of in when I first started using the voice very directly. I I immediately went towards, I think, who a lot of people go towards. Um, you know, people like James Baldwin and Toni Morrison and um, people that speak so eloquently. And you know, I wrestled with what it meant to be using their voice and you know mm -hmm. that type of care and and am I am I really embodying that am i making sure that that's there and and i think it's a it's a process i don't think it's something that you know i embodied it at some point and now that i'm done with it i can't you know moving on it's it's just like i i think it's so important that when you when you use these voices from friends or from from mentors or from people that you're not especially people that you're not able to directly communicate with um then there needs to be serious care and it needs to get so deep inside of you that that the, that, that it creates that brick that it creates that concrete for you so that you can you can always kind of rest on that and know that that's that's where you're moving from <laughs> i mean uh, kind of going off of that i was wondering you know, for you, 
is it a different artistic process to to be working with with speak you know recorded speech from people who you're actively collaborating with like with friends or with colleagues or even just people who are alive who you have some kind of a like a two-way relationship where you can where you can talk to them versus you know James Baldwin or Toni Morrison or somebody who um, either is deceased or you don't have any kind of like way of contacting them you know it's definitely a different process um, just you know obviously on the surface with with folks that I'm having a two-way conversation with I just you know lots of consent 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 and yeah um, making sure that that people feel comfortable with how their their voice and essentially their likeness is being used um, whether or not uh, the audience will directly ever be able to recognize that it's them um, or, or find them or anything I just you know people people deserve that courtesy um with people that I'm not able to to have that conversation with it's it's different I often um find myself almost trying to like skirt around that a little bit in a in a way that who knows uh maybe time will tell whether or not it's more more ethical or actually less ethical um but I try to use use the voice uh, of like James Baldwin or uh, John Henry Clark to 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 make them say different things than they were saying, mm-hmm. um, rather than use their like their the intention always that that they're they're communicating. I I like to actually just kind of use their voice um, and and try to create different conversations. So like my piece um, of yours is basically me creating this conversation between John Henry Clark and um, and James Baldwin. And through that, through that research on that piece, I found out that they never did get to have a face-to-face conversation, but they, they, they had um, sent some letters to each other, uh, just very basic, you know, hey, I, know big ups like let's let's link at some point like that kind of stuff Uh, but it didn't really didn't really work out and I I just wanted to see if I could make that happen you know in in a in a really meaningful way Um, so rather than than have them kind of uh, say their monologue and have it be very clear you know and still ring true to whatever YouTube video I ripped it from, I actually want to have them say something else. And maybe through that synthesis of kind of going through me, there's a third thing that comes out there. There's something that, that wasn't actually there. Even, even through me wasn't actually there. Um, and and yeah, I'm I'm always curious about that. I think that for this next one with with Elise, I'm going to be probably pairing her with somebody uh, that that we can't communicate with. And and I I'm really curious about having having that having somebody have a conversation 
with somebody from the past to create something else is is exciting to me yeah that's like a whole other exercise than what you were describing before where it's like are you imagining that Elise will be like thinking of it as a conversation like as a conversation and like developing or will you be taking things that Elise has already said in different contexts and pairing and like you're the matchmaker yeah um we shall see I I think I think it'll be a mix um you know I want it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna go off a a lot of what Elise feels comfortable with you know I I think that's that's kind of first and foremost um but but yeah it's there's going to probably be some things that are just cut up just cut up to the point where there's no way Elise was actually saying that to anybody you know it's just Mm -hmm. something else now and um and also just playing with people's voice like like we initially were saying just people's voices being in the space they don't have to be saying things that are concrete but bringing the like mmm sound from James Baldwin like you know his sound like I don't know mm-hmm. maybe you don't know his sound but it's it's gonna feel a certain way um so it's, it's yeah it's the human voice is beautiful I'm, I've been getting more and more in love with that it seems like what you were just saying like points in two different directions one being that like something that is like fixed or like has a sort of like closed nature in the past like actually isn't closed um or isn't fixed but like the meaning of a person's words of their writing of their voice it can change and like that also can give it a kind of new life or breathe a new breathe a new life into it um and those things can change with like the nature of how meaning is changing um, right now. And the other thing that this kind of made me think of, which is a complete like flight of fancy and just like feel free to shoot it down, but that like like sound is a kind of time travel and this like really like awesome and kind of like actually literal way if like you're breaking it down in a physics perspective, but then also in this kind of like metaphysical or esoteric um or like spiritual way Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely think of time uh and sound as being very very connected very interconnected i it's you know i think proven is the word i would use in in so many different ways you know uh through I guess how you're speaking like physics, but, but in, for me in the more, more important ways of spiritual and, and metaphysical representations of, of people like imprinting into the future or us reaching into the past to, to retrieve, to learn, to, to rest. Um, and trying to think of your your first idea 
Help me out again. Changing meaning or something that's fixed ah. as a volatile or can have a volatile meaning. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that feels just so, um, so important for our time too, as we are just in this, um, this way of people, uh, uh, reappropriating things for, for their own needs, you know, whether that's, that's Trump using some, <laughs> some, uh, music that he's not supposed to be using at his rallies or, uh, that's me reaching into the past and chopping up James Baldwin's words or, um, you know, just how YouTube makes everything think that, uh, everyone think that everything is free and that, that everything is, is available to us. And, um, it's interesting, you know, I, sometimes when I'm, 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 searching for these things I, I think how silly it is that i can just type in tony morrison interview talking about this and it takes me to something and and that i'm like that that's for me where i feel i almost feel like i should be giving something back to it like i i this isn't this doesn't feel right to just be like taking all the time so that's part of part of why I, I try to take these meanings and make them something else. Because if I were to just take it and then just plop it on my song, that just seems silly, you know? Just like what what am I what am I giving to, to this? What am I giving to to the future? Um, when I'm just taking what somebody else said and 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 not actually um, massaging it into something new and, and re-extrapolating and, and making sure that that there that that that's the me part on on it. You know, that's the part where I'm I'm making sure that the filter is present. Mm. Um, I almost think of yeah a lot of, a lot of especially the more I spend uh, time in kind of synthesis world. I, I think about just how, how I'm just this filter for a lot of things, um, especially when I'm using voice. I'm just, you know, I'm EQing out this. I'm, I'm making, you know, I'm chopping this up so that that it sits right in the mix here and that's how it feels, you know, it feels a certain way. It hits this way because of, because of that. Um, so, yeah, I think meaning is uh, obviously ever-changing, but it's it's almost not even for me not not actually um you know i i feel like it's it's it like once it's out it's it's flipping it's mm -hmm. automatically flipping in space it's not i never really you know if people want to take take what i do and and flip it like that's that's beautiful like it, you know, we live in a capitalist society. It's great to get paid, but even if they don't get paid, even if I don't get paid, like use the music, use use the resources, make something that's going to be impactful and reimagine like all of these things as much as possible. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, swoon fest. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I love yeah, the now name. we're flipping <laughs> the conversation. 
Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but talking about flipping, it's like, all right, this is the, <laughs> this is the moment. Yeah, I no, I I'm really excited for 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 talk to be be bringing me, but I'm also excited for what everybody else is bringing to the space. And also the Clemente, I love the Clemente. I'm so glad you guys are doing it there. It's yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. We're going to set up the space, I I think in a pretty cool way and be thoughtful about the lighting and yeah. We're designing a whole bunch of new merch to go with the festival mm. that we're all really excited about with some really cool designers. At this point in the conversation, Chris actually decided that he wanted to interview Madison a bit about their solo practice, uh, which could be described as an exploration of the self-generative, chaotic, and ecstatic qualities of resonance through sustained, unstable timbres. Um, Madison, I'm all, I'm so interested in your your sound expansion. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like very vertical sound expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and like the implications. Is it is it purely curiosity? Is it purely experimentation? Um, or is there is there something else that you're like looking for down the, yeah, the rabbit there's, hole? There's definitely something else. I mean, there it's a lot of like there's absolutely an ethos of curiosity and experimentation, but there's also like there's definitely the something else in that I think I'm interested in like creating like multiplicities in a way where it's like it's not just it's not just me it's not just the instrument it's not just the sound but like creating or not creating but like figuring out a mode of playing where I can kind of take a step back and be like wow this this thing is happening that seems self-generative or is self-generative and the sort of like density of the sound and the information and um its closeness to feedback and how it kind of perpetuates and i just kind of like sit <laughs> with it mm. and try to like keep it literally in the air and try to keep it going as a way of like a little bit like remo removing myself, removing my own like subjectness from it to focus on like this like act of like listening alongside the sound in order to like keep this other thing, this third thing alive. I think there's also like and like Chris, you'll understand this as a as a wind person. Um, I think there's also something like super metaphysical about wind playing like something that like Absolutely. gives you life like literally gives you life truly is like <laughs> it's like going out through this instrument and like the form of sound which then like like makes literally it literally makes contact with people yeah and then that gets understood in like these myriad of semantic and physical ways that like gives or somehow like creates a meaning. And like, to me, I'm like very, very fascinated in that like 
transference that feel that also feels like very spiritual in a way absolutely like i've been thinking a lot about like ruach you know like the sort of um like jewish notion of like breath or life force or energy um and how that comes into like comes into my practice and so mm. i love that i love that right now you're you're like being clear about yeah this is this is this part of the practices the experimentation the curiosity the like i want to push like past the the point that i'm that is known for me um because i think that that's like it's almost like that circle that that kind of starts happening like once you sit then after that process i often find myself then starting to attach meaning to think like pre um uh prescribed meaning to these things and then creating and then there kind of goes you kind of go back into the hole of like, all right, well, if I'm, you know, exploring this now, like what happens if I expand this? And then there's this period of like really deep experimentation and curiosity that that's almost like necessary. And, and it sometimes feel, you know, especially as a, a, a wind player, it, it, there's like a mix of, of like rest involved as well as uh almost like pushing yourself past exhaustion you know like sometimes i feel so rested after i get like some nice practicing and even if it's for nothing um i feel you know it rest it, it like lowers my anxiety yeah. <laughs> and uh and and making a lot oftentimes making a lot of these these sounds that that you're exploring right now like it, it truly like calms me um but but there you know they're, they're often hard and it, it takes a long it takes a lot of focus and it can be very exhausting at the same time and, and I'm, I'm curious about about that too like how this this kind of like biofeedback that you're doing with your with your instrument where like you said it's you're, you're like pushing so much life through it and you're pushing so much of yourself through it then it's giving back to you in these ways that are not necessarily one-to-one. -one. Sometimes you feel like you've gained so much more than you put in. And sometimes you, you put in so much and you just get like a little out of it. It's, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like the kind of beautiful curse of, mm -hmm. of wind playing. Um, I mean, this went, <laughs> no, oh, sorry, John. no, 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 you go, you go. Sorry. <laughs> it was kind of just, going in a, a little bit of a different direction but i always i almost always think about this as i uh go forward in my practice is just uh and i <laughs> it's interesting the more I, I meet more people that that uh that i really connect with that that are um former trumpet players or maybe they're still trumpet players but you know you've like recovering trumpet players recovering yes <laughs> I'm a rehabilitated trumpet <laughs> um, um, But Yvette Janine Jackson plays a trumpet. Um, good friend of mine who I initially invited to, to play with me uh, on this, but, but unfortunately had to back out. Uh, DeForest Brown Jr. played mm. trumpet for mm. a long time. And it's so interesting because the trumpet is just such a, 
um, such a difficult beast in so many ways. Uh, but that, that, that aspect of it, especially not being somebody that, you know, I was musically inclined growing up and, and very artistically curious, but the trumpet was not something that was like immediately working for me. And mm -hmm. I would say even now it's just something that I, you know, I, I'm always working at because it, it presents so many problems, problems to solve, you know, uh, great problems, beautiful problems. Um, but, but that process of, of like true struggle and frustration and, but, but then kind of slipping and, and finding something else, you know, I, I, I found Don Cherry very early on in my, in my career, like whatever career, my, my, uh, kind of awakeness that happened after I started playing the trumpet. I think maybe I was 15 or something and I heard Ornette's free jazz. And, mm -hmm. um, and then I started to listen to shape of jazz to come. I started to listen to a bunch of that. And, you know, Don is not, you know, the trumpet player's trumpet player. Like he's, he's got his technique things that just never ne necessarily like came together, but, Man, does that guy have like so much music in him? So much music. And I feel like that alongside loving all of these amazing technically gifted trumpet players like Freddie Hubbard, um uh Lee Morgan, you know, more contemporary guys like Nate and and Peter Evans and um Bill Dixon is another one that's huge for me, alongside Wadada Leo Smith. People that that just recognize that the only way, especially contemporarily, like the only way you can deal with this instrument is to go through yourself. You had like, if you're putting, if you're trying to put something else, um, some predetermined external thing into this, it's just, it's not going to give it back. You know, you're not going to find what you're looking for, at least as an artist. And I feel really thankful to the trumpet for that, like for teaching me that lesson very early on um, that I needed to really like commit to the idea of the self and, and how, how this, like, like you're saying, this subjecthood is, uh, is very present. Um, so that then I could go through those processes of, of taking a step back and, you know, dealing with generative music, dealing with things that, that I'm not, that my hands are not necessarily in so that I could, um, I don't know, kind of, kind of come back around and begin that circle anew, like continuously experimenting, creating meaning, experimenting, creating meaning. You know? So it's interesting, you know, hearing you both talk about your relationships to your instruments as wind players. And it just, it makes me think about like breath work. Um, and just like how controlling your breath um, is so tied to like so many of your emotional and like physiological states of being, you know, um, and just like how there are, there are like entire practices surrounding breath work and all of this. And like a lot of what you're doing as wind players, when you practice is like, you're practicing breath work, you're controlling your breath, you're you're being really measured with it. You're like oftentimes taking like 
huge amounts of air into your lungs and then like very slowly letting it out, you know? And it's like, this is something, um, I don't know. I, I had never really thought about it in those terms before, I think. Um, but just like how, as a, as a musician whose, whose instrument is like so tied to breath, just like how that must affect that how that must affect you on like such a an even deeper level I think than like you know I'm a violinist and it's like obviously breathing is important and part of my practice but for me there's like a much bigger kind of physical motion and that's like another kind of uh you know way that that affects my body and and my mind and it's like yeah but it it, it must be such a kind of like meditative thing to to be doing especially like the kind of playing that is you know like Madison like you're talking about these kind of like long evolving drone textures where like I know you do a lot of like circular breathing and you're like for like a huge amount of time you're like all of your air is going through the instrument in these like very in this very controlled and measured way um, yeah that's not really a question <laughs> Yeah, wind, wind is, wind playing is very, it's very spiritual. Yeah. I mean, something I've been thinking about recently to kind of go into that more is like how the instrument is like coupled with the space and the room and like the room or wherever one's playing is kind of like this massive extension of what the instrument is. Like, I don't know, like, I just had this kind of thought recently where it's like, oh, like the air inside the clarinet, like this is actually part of the room. And like with these wind instruments, like the bell is flared to like, you know, create a more smooth gradation between the impedance of the air within the instrument and the air outside the instrument. So there is a more like seamless coupling, like when air starts to vibrate and then travel out, it's like, oh, and then you're breathing that back in. So it's just, I don't know. This is very much like an in-process mode of trying to think about instrumentality, but like, yeah, like trying to think of it in this more like expanded way where it's not its not just the instrument. It's not just like one's embouchure or the reeds, but there's also this whole like, like passage between inside and outside that's constantly happening. Yeah. I think you said it all, Madison. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> no. So this interview got a little unhinged towards the end. We were all kind of having a little too good of a time. So here's a really sudden topic change. Like, okay. I love when I show up when I like come to see you perform like at Sisters. Sisters is a bar in Brooklyn that has some really awesome music programming. And you're wearing this Radig shirt because mm. I also have this Radig <laughs> shirt and it just like reminds me that we might be connected <laughs> in this way. And I'm like hearing you talk about, you know, like the esoteric and the conceptual. It's like, oh, yeah. And also Sound Mass, who designed that shirt, is designing uh, talk merch for Swoonfest. Ah, there we go. So there we go. Yes. Everything is connected. 
Okay, yeah, so <laughs> let me let me try to put together a question out of this. Uh, <laughs> or just basically this a is in real time, guys. You're getting it. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> going to be so edited or not. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, all right. Um, in getting to know your playing over the past like two years, year and a half, something like this. Um, like one thing that I've been like, that's really impressed upon me. And then also like listening to this Patrick Shirishi release, um, like listening to excerpts from your installation, from your installation work um, is like one, your melding of like your trumpet playing with electronics, but in such a way where like there are these moments, and I think this is really present in Sans Soleil as well. Sans Soleil is the name of the duo record that Chris released with Patrick Shiruishi. Where like there is this just like this single like line or even something that feels like fragmentary, but it just like it's so compact and so just like present and like standing with itself in the time that it is played um that to me it kind of takes on the quality of like something that is an icon and like this you is mean this like is, an icon and like a semiotics kind of like well, well kind of like an icon in that and this is maybe left field but like um like in like Christian Orthodox or like Russian Orthodox kind of traditions, like the icon like signals the presence of the saint mm. that it is depicted. And I feel like there is some sort of like, I don't know, like semiotic collapsing of like what is evoked or represented and then what is actually like fully present. And they just kind of like collapse into this one thing so that like this line like exceeds itself in a kind of way. Mm. I don't know those that I don't know if that's a question, um, but that's like an impression that I have. That's very interesting that you're hearing this um, through me. I definitely, I don't know if I think concretely about um, this idea too much, but I, I do, I do really, um, I'm always really uh, looking for, and this is something that I have, I've done my entire life, it's looking for those those musicians that are really kind of, and, and maybe this is a different approach to the line, but like, staying, like kind of staying on the path, like going, having something, you know, it's kind of like the spirit comes through you. Like it comes, when the spirit comes through you, it doesn't like, doesn't permeate outwards and some like dispersion it it's always kind of coming out in this very like direct way and um the person that comes to mind initially is like Sonny Rollins who is just famous for just like I have this this idea this and I'm just gonna chomp at this idea and I'm just gonna like look at it from every angle and it's kind of like this fixed object that i'm just like kind of circle circling around mm -hmm. and 
Um, I think about that, you know, just as going back to us talking about concreteness and, um, I think about that when I'm, when I'm improvising as well, um, which is, uh, it's something that I think sometimes in a lot of improvised musics, uh, it's, it's where I, I maybe sometimes, um, depart from, from some of the aesthetics that are, that are often like really, uh, really kind of promoted, but, but I do love a good, like follow through or like, a I like when, when, when I hear that person that has that instinctual thing to, to bring that almost melodic content, that thing that is, that, that is, uh, communicative to the surface in a, in a, like you were saying, like a singular way, but coming from, from out from somewhere outside of themselves. Um, and I, I feel like Patrick and I get to that with our, with our duo in this way that, you know, we don't really talk about it too much, but, um, we were both very interested in that and, and people that love to participate in a lot of different types of free playing, but often are like, we always talk about that like clarity of like almost like melodic emotional thing that that X factor thing that does signal the presence of yeah God or or whatever the spiritual is is now present and and I'm I'm definitely always like trying to find ways that I can just be open for that, you know, and it, it's not, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't have, have any of that background. That wasn't something that that was part of my life. So, so for me, I feel like I just need to, to, to just practice that practice being present. Um, but, and people that I want to plug, I'd literally just want to always shout out Yvette Janine Jackson. I think her work is, singular um we have we have not met yet but it's just a matter of time mm. um Wadada is the same way yeah i mean king brit out there is making beautiful work at ucsd yeah. um joy 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 guidry um is is also you know i as we were talking about people that are using voice in a in a really creative and impactful uh way that's like serving serving their artistic vision rather than just like like you said programmatic it's serving it's all it's all about serving what they have to say as an artist i i love that so yeah joy is another artist who is uh going to be included in the swoon fest also oh really probably, probably only by recording as well or some kind of yeah we're not exactly sure but they're uh collaborating with with uh dmr on on this piece that we're oh beautiful we're playing yeah so, beautiful that makes me yeah. happy yeah um so uh do you have anything coming up besides swoon fest or any recent releases or anything that you want to plug yes um I have 
a uh, tape coming out with uh, Booker Stardrum, actually, on April 7th. We can uh, link to that in the show notes. Yes. Yes. I'll probably bring some to the to the show. Cool. Um, yeah, we made it all remote. And I think that's also something that's really interesting about it, um, especially since we're both very, uh, very interested in electronics. Um, uh, me and Lester St. Louis have a residency at Pioneer Works in June. And so we'll just be holed up in the studio um, for, for the entire month. Very excited about that. Many records will be made. If you want to come through, just hit us up. We'll just be in the studio. Seriously. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, that <laughs> actually sounds really like a good like a good hang. Everybody yeah. just go go to Pioneer Works in June. Come through. <laughs> Knock on the door. Come through. <laughs> <laughs> We're just making a lot of music. So so yeah. Cool. I think that's uh I think that's it for now. Cool. Well, uh Chris, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. Thank really, you. thanks for inviting me. Really, really big congrats on the, the 10 year. Happy to be there. Um, it's going to be a beautiful couple of days, like two or yeah, three? Yeah, two days. Two, two days. days. Wow. Yeah. This has been the Talk Editions Podcast, episode 32 with Chris Williams. The music from the beginning of this episode is an excerpt from Chris's album, Of Yours. The music you're listening to right now is the first track of Chris's new duo record with Booker Stardrum. The track is called On the Platform from the album Relay, which was released just a couple of days ago on April 5th. This episode was edited by me, Marina Kipperstein, and was produced by me and Madison Greenstone. If you like the Talk Editions podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your friends. We hope to see you soon on May 5th and 6th at Swoonfest at the Clemente. Chris is playing a set on the 5th. Thanks for listening.
Thank <laughs> you. 